Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Um, one of the things that COVID has done for us is we, it's demanded that you get creative or crushed. Right? I mean, you, you just need to write that down, by the way. You get created <clears throat> or crushed. And if you really want to make an impact in the world around you, um, you know, I was sort of raised in a culture, and I believed in this still. But God has never intended us for us to pray and then do nothing. It is to very much be involved in the lives that God has called us to live and pray, walk in relationship with him, but it demands that we walk it out, amen? And so we've had to get incredibly creative in everything that we do. I am so blessed that you're here this morning, and I'm blessed if you're watching this morning, but I promise you we're only scratching the surface, amen? 2020 hasn't shut us down, guys. It's, it's demanded that we prepare for what God is doing at another level. Well, praise the Lord. Um, there's still a few shopping days left. Amen? <laughs> if you've not got all your shopping done, there's still time. Um, thank the Lord for the Internet, right? But I want to start today in this season of Advent, and what we're talking about is Christmas isn't canceled with just reminding you that <clears throat> this is all about hope. Yes, Advent means waiting. And we're going to look at Isaiah in just a moment. So Advent means waiting. Waiting for that initial coming of the Messiah. But we know that he's come, right? We just read it a few moments ago. We know that Jesus Christ has already arrived as a baby, lived a sinless life, took on our sin, died on the cross, rose on the third day, was ascended, and, and left the disciples with specific instructions that also are to us, to go ye therefore, make disciples, teaching them to follow my commands, to do all things that I did. And he tells us that we're going to receive power. Now I'm saying all that because those were the words that were left after he left the first time. He promised in John chapter 14 there's a place that I'm creating for you that where I go, you may be also. I will come again. Okay? So the waiting that we're talking about today, yes, we're referring to preparing for Christmas. But it's really how do you wait between now and the second coming of Jesus Christ? That's what I want us to look at also. How many of you enjoy waiting? How many are good at waiting? Be honest. I can't wait for this service to be over. That's how bad I, right? Um, how many, you know, when you think about the word hope, um, it's, it's really coincides with waiting a little bit, doesn't it? I hope this happens or I can't wait for this to happen. It means different things, I know, but I, I, I'm not trying to play on words there as much as it is Hope sometimes means wait. Um, almost like the phrase, we'll see. You know, I hated that as a child. That was my dad's go-to. Dad, can we do this? We'll see. Well, when, when will we see? Well, we'll see. But how will I know? We'll see. You know, and it's like days would pass, and I would forget about it, and he said, yeah, See? <laughs> You don't remember it, but, you know, it happened. Here's, here's what I want us to realize this morning about Advent. It's coming to grips with what you are really waiting for. So let me ask you this, and just, this, just take a few seconds. I'm not trying to get weird on you here, but close your eyes. What are you really hoping for? What are you really waiting for. Um, I was talking to the 
praise team before service, and I know there's a lot of people that can't wait for 2020 just to be over, right? Or they can't wait for things to get back to normal, whatever normal means. They can't wait for there to become a, a, a vaccine that's accessible to everyone. They can't wait. In other words, we all are waiting or hopeful for something, but down deep inside, really, what is it that you personally are hoping for? Family issues, finances, um, the dark things that you're walking through or experiencing. Does it make sense? May, and it may seem like, well, you know, everything's going great in my life. You know, I'm, I'm just waiting for school to end. Or I'm waiting for, you know, work to kick off. I hope work is good next week. No, those are all good things. But listen, lightweight in comparison to what we're talking about. God cares. But, but let's look at this for a few minutes. Because Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm really going to talk about Isaiah quite a bit this morning. But he is setting the people up here, and you'll see, for a prophetic word. And he's already given some prophetic words in chapter 7. But his entire book is written to a people who don't get it. Listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of its burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and for fuel. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and there's a transition there. I'll talk about that in a moment. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. A lot is wrapped up in that passage. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me just break it down this way. Isaiah, most of his prophecies are... Um, he's a little bit different than other prophets, prophets because although he's speaking prophetically, it's very, very messianic. It's very Christ-focused in his approach. And when he speaks, it's almost like he shares one part of his prophecy about what's going on right now. He reminds you of what's happened, and then he tells you what's going to happen and emphatically how Jesus fits in. And, and when you read it that way, here, here's what he's saying, and I'm paraphrasing. People who have been walking in darkness have seen a great light. There's going to be a revelation. People are going to finally get it. He says, as a matter of fact, you're going to be living in times where things are going to be very good. You're going to experience blessings. You're going to experience wonderful things. There's going to be rejoicing because the harvest is so plentiful. And he doesn't mean the spiritual harvest that we talk of. He means the abundance. But then he says, <clears throat> there's also going to be a time when the sandals that you did war in and the robes that were wrapped up in blood, you're going you're to get so desperate, you're going to use that for firewood. So just imagine this conversation where he's first telling you, you're going to get it one day. Boy, you're really blessed. It's going to get really bad. Everything that you thought was powerful about you, you'll be begging to use it for fuel. But then the very next statement, for unto us a child is born. In other words, there's a Messiah coming that his leadership, his government, the way he does things, it's going to bring everlasting peace. He's the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He will never let you down. You'll never not look to him and regret it. Now, why, 
Why is that important? We know how that points us to the Messiah. We hear it every Christmas, but I just want to talk about the, the time of Isaiah very quickly for a few minutes. Because waiting's tough. Waiting is tough. Waiting is especially tough when you don't know why you're waiting. <clears throat> and, you know, if you get, if you're driving down the interstate and all of a sudden there's this massive backup, the first thing I want to know is why. Okay? So how many have ways? There may be new technology out there, but thank God for ways, right? Because my wife will have it turned on and it, it'll tell there's a car on the shoulder ahead. There's debris in the road ahead. At least with ways, they say there's an accident two miles ahead. And it'll even start redirecting your path if you'll listen. Okay? Now, this isn't about, you know, the power of ways as much as how we think. Because if we have to wait, we at least want to know it's an accident or a crazy driver. And if it's just a slow driver, it makes me want to do things differently anyway. Because we, we want to know why we're waiting. Does that make sense? There are some of us that wait, but <clears throat> we know why we're waiting. We just don't care. And what do I mean by that? We know that if we did things differently, it would solve the problem, but we don't care. We know that if we treated someone nice, the relationship would be better, but we just don't care. We know that if we did this, it would solve the problem, but we just don't care. That's who Isaiah is talking to here, by the way. Or there's a waiting that you know why, and you can't wait. There's that hope. There's a joy. You know why things are happening. You know what is going on. And even though the circumstances around you are difficult, your hope is not in that, it's what's on the other side. That's the hope I want us to leave with today. Because in the day of Isaiah, <clears throat> if you go back to Isaiah chapter 6, how many know what Isaiah chapter 6 talks about immediately? Isaiah's in the presence of God. In the, king, in, the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Isaiah says, lifted up on the throne, and his train filled the temple, the power of God, the seraphims and cherubims, I mean, the power of God was everywhere. And Isaiah, probably at that time, the, this is a big statement, I know, but probably at that time, the most powerful prophet and certainly the most righteous man of that day. Stand before his God, and he's trembling. And he says, I am a man of unclean lips. He realizes that in the presence of God, he's still nobody. Thank the Lord. He realizes that in the presence of God, he's filthy. His words mean nothing. Now, if you know the story, God, one of the servants fly, fly over and take a coal off the altar, and they cleanse his tongue. And, G, and um, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. God is asking the question, whom shall I send? Here am I, send me. Now, it's great. We always use that to answer God's call but I want you to hear what God called Isaiah to do. I want you to go prophesy, and nobody's going to listen. I want you to go preach, <clears throat> but nobody's going to pay attention. I want, you to go, I want you to go live and obey what I tell you to do, but you're not going to see fruit. Now, let me just, this is not one of the points of the message this morning. But let me throw this out there. What if God called you to do something, but you were never going to make a lot of money? Nobody was ever going to know your name. You were never going to be famous. You were never going to make the headlines. But what God was saying is, I just need you to be faithful. Because if you'll just do this, my word will fulfill, be fulfilled. Man, when I was, when I was studying and reading this week, that pierced my heart. That touched me. Because we live in a culture, as you'll see in Isaiah, we live in a culture, don't we? That we, we want the job that's going to give us the most notoriety. We want the position that's going to give us the best income. 
We, we want the seat in the house where we can be seen. We want a position that, that we can be able to retire in a few years. Instead, from the get-go, I mean, how would you feel if you walked into a job interview and the first thing the boss said was, now listen, we don't pay anything. So you're going to work here for free. Well, you know, well, you did ask for the job. You said, here I am I, send me. So here's your job description. <clears throat> you're going to work really hard, but nobody's going to notice. You're going you're to do your best, and nobody's going to say a thing. Positive. They'll talk, but it's not positive. Uh, that, that's what Isaiah was facing. And we, we, can't, we can't walk away from that without understanding the type of man of God he was. Because there's got to be something about the type of man or woman of God that says, you know what, this culture is not going to listen to anything I'm saying regarding the Word of God. And it's not that we go beat people on the head with it. But have you noticed that in our culture we have a tendency to want people to like us when we're preaching? Or to like us when we're sharing our testimony? We don't want to offend them. They may not come back. That's the problem. We've not offended so many people they came back. And now when people hear the truth, they don't want to live by it. And now there are churches lit. There are churches filled. This is, not, this is why we're a small church message, by the way. This is, <clears throat> this is um, the simple message Isaiah was having to live out. When you hear God's truth about sin, it makes you uncomfortable. And if you can't hear what you want to hear, let me, let me describe Israel to you. Sin has and always will lead to judgment. Always. Israel had deserted God. I'm not going to read all these passages because I'm, I'm giving you a quick view of the first nine chapters of Isaiah. They had deserted God. Can I tell you what that, that word deserted means? Abandoned. Dumped. Have you ever been dumped? Okay. Don't mean to bring up any bad history. But, but that, that is what that means. If, if you're feeling some pain right now, that's what that means. That's how God feels. Read Hosea. How many times did he ask for the person who dumped him to please come back? Okay. So it says Israel has deserted God. They go, here's how they do it. They go through the motions. Are you ready? <laughs> they go through the motions of their worship, but their heart's not in it. In other words, they learn what to do so they can get what they can get. They want God's blessing, but they won't give him their heart. I'm not even going to try to make application to our 20, 20 century. Uh, we, we, I'll let you do that all by yourself, amen? They, they learned how to go through the motions, but they were never really there. And see, spiritual rot penetrated every level of their society. Now, I'm talking about Israel right now. And I, it penetrated from the, from the leadership all the way down to the youngest. It got into attitudes, because sin will start to get into people's attitudes. And they can even be in a worship setting and their attitudes would show up because they were only there to get what they wanted to. They were only there to get what they wanted to get. They just wanted God to appease what they were wanting. And you can see that was going nowhere. Because once they were strong, now they're weak. Now they were filled with pride, self-sufficiency, wealth. Now listen, Isaiah's talking to a people who are doing well. He's talking to a people who the bills are paid. And I know somebody said, thank God. He's not talking about me. Yes, I am. Even if you're a little late on a bill, even if you're getting evicted, you live in the most blessed nation on the planet, and you're experiencing, now listen, this is hard this morning. You are experiencing the reason we go through most of the stuff that we go through, even when it is our stupid decisions. 
Because a mindset that gets into a people who are filled with pride, you can have nothing and be filled with pride. The spirit of poverty is not just for the poor. I know very wealthy people who live in a mindset of poverty. But once they were strong but now filled with pride, self-sufficient, they were wealthy, but instead of being lights in the darkness, they glorified the creation rather than the creator. They were overtaken with greed, self-indulgence. They pursued sin. See, I'm reading these sitting down so you don't think I'm preaching down to you. Overtaken with greed. Self-indulgence. They pursued sin because they were able to justify it. Um, they were conceited. What do we mean by that? Instead of looking at brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters, it got to them how wealthy they were, and it was easy to look down on someone. And then Isaiah even talks about money issues, because now you were wealthy enough to buy someone's property, and people were taken advantage of in incredible ways. And God looks at this, and he wants them to know, you can't, you can't live like this without there being judgment. And Isaiah is desperately trying to get them to turn their hearts back to God. And he goes to them, and throughout the rest of Isaiah, he's saying things like, you've got to turn your heart back to God because there's coming a time of captivity. Now, and then he throws out this prophecy in chapter 9, and just you have to get this through your mind for just a second. He's saying, listen, this is where you are. You're healthy, wealthy, and you think you're wise. But, but you're going to go through a season because God is saying to Isaiah, listen, tell them this, but, but just show them also, before everything, everything gets better, it's going to get way worse. Now, see, there's a part of me, and I know we live in the New Testament, okay? We, we live under the grace that Jesus Christ has given us through his death on Calvary. But there's still a part of this that I can't help but but want to remind all of us, you reap what you sow. You're held accountable for what you do. Yes, God will forgive you, but don't expect everybody else around you to forgive you. And we as brothers and sisters should forgive each other, amen? Listen, I'm preaching something right now that I have to live every day, folks. And when I tell you that, that it's a fight, it is. It's a spiritual warfare. Because it's never about, well... If you feel like it, you can forgive them. No, that's, that's not even mentioned in the Bible. It's a spiritual warfare, though. Because if we don't live this out, we pay the consequences. And he's telling Israel, before you ever see, because yes, there's a lot of promises. There's a Messiah that's coming. There's a son that will be born. He will be a mighty God. He'll be the prince of peace. Upon his shoulders, his kingdom will reign. And at the peace that that kingdom brings will never have any end you will be able to lean on him for the rest of your lives. If we hear prophecies like that today, we get excited, don't we? Come on now, three people get excited. Why? Because if somebody preaches or teaches or prophesies a word to us, we're expecting that by the next weekend. Can I, can I just say something here? Um, the reason people chase words all the time is that if they don't happen by the third day, they're running back for another word. Well, the Lord, you know, you told me the Lord was going to do great things in my life. He said, yeah, but your life's not ending tomorrow. Come on, John, wake up. I've had a lot of words spoken over me. Not only in hindsight that we see 2020, but what I realized real quick at my age is that, oh, I know what they were saying now. 30 years ago. I just thought it was only going to take two weeks. I didn't know it was going to take 30 years. Because, see, God's timing is not your timing. Now, what has this got to do with Isaiah? He was telling them things that were not going to come to pass. The Messiah would not be born for 700 years. So when he's telling these people, listen, there, there's an answer, there's a hope. He's telling these people who are wealthy, they have everything they could want. They live in a culture that they can get their hands on what they want. So, by the way, 
that's just going over. They're not even hearing those words. And he's, he's even trying to tell them, you're going to lose it all. You're going you're gonna to hit tough times. Well, you know, there's a recession every once in a while. You know, I may have to change jobs. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking about total destruction. Desolation. And the, the reality is that people still don't get it. Because what he's doing is he's painting a picture of what's going to happen before the Messiah comes. Now, if, if we can fast forward, we see that in Isaiah chapter 7, he, he tells them, and I read it this morning out of Matthew, but he's talking to the king. And when he goes to the king, he says, listen, here's what's going to happen. We need to take this into consideration. And listen to what the king says. Now, Uzziah has passed. Listen to what the king says. Hear, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's what the king said. Listen, I don't want to go to God for the answers. I don't want to go to God and and test God. I don't don't want, I'm going to do what I think I want to do. That's what the king was saying. Now, why is that important? Because when a country and when a nation gets so far blinded to the things of God, listen, I'm not getting to politics this morning, but it impacts everything from the top leaders all the way down. Now, yes, pray for your leaders. I'm sure they were praying for their leaders too. Pray for your leaders. But here's what Isaiah says. It's not a small thing to, it's not a small thing to weary man. You may wear out man. But when you wear out God, when you wear out God, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah is telling the king that. And what is he saying? Your kingdom's not all that. It's not going to last long. Now, I'm sure the king at that point was thinking, well, you know, maybe 20 years, you know. Listen, what God is saying to you and to I today, is that the advent that we were waiting on from Isaiah was the coming of Jesus Christ. The advent that you and I are waiting on now is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk about three simple things. Am I making any sense? Because we have a hope. But let me just make three little comments, and I'm going to drive the guys crazy because it's not on the PowerPoint. Three little points here, ready? First of all, we have hope, but it's in his time. You you need to remind yourself of that. I have a hope, but it's in his time. Can I ask a question? What do we normally do when his time doesn't fit our time? Yeah. We've got time. I've I've got a whole year of catching up to do. We didn't have church for like, you know, four or five months. Here's, here's what he's saying. The people in Israel, they needed an advent calendar that was 700 years long. We already know we only need about 25 days, right? Because we already know we're going to have Christmas on the 25th, you know? So we get trees together. We get Christmas gifts together because we are going to have, somebody say amen. We're going to have Christmas. Why? Well, we've always had Christmas. You know, well, we've always celebrated the birth of Christ for over 2,000 years now. But here's, here's the biggest thing that we need to understand. And we always throw out the slogans too. You know, remember the reason for the season. But we don't. Because we, we, we have a few celebration days. We have a few parties. We have a few little gatherings. We give out gifts. We even say a few prayers. I'm not being judgmental. But, but then we get right back to greed. Self-sufficiency, pride, what can I be known for? Makes sense. And, and just think about it. Um, we know what God has promised us, but we get real wrapped up in all that other stuff that almost his second coming gets in our way. It almost gets in our way. Because we get so living the way we want to live and doing the way we want to do. Can I, can I just do a true confession? 
when I was a teenager, I was raised in a church that, man, my dad could preach. And I got saved every Sunday. I told you that before. Because I knew Jesus, I knew the possibilities of Jesus coming that night were real. I knew that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And some of my prayers were like this, Lord, I want to go to heaven, but not yet. Lord, if you could put off your coming for like, you know, I think at that time I was like 14. I was like, Lord, put off that coming until, you know, 15, 20 years tops. Because I want to get married, Lord. Well, you know what I was really saying, right? Lord, there's some things I've not experienced. I want to experience those things, Lord. I, want to have, I, want to have, I think I want to have kids, Lord. I want to have a motorcycle, Jesus. And if he comes, it messes up all my plans. And I'm not, I'm not saying that because we've all had that sort of thought at some point. But here, many are the plans of a man's heart. But it is God's plans that prevail. And see, sometimes if, if I'm honest with myself, my hope is in him, but my plans are in me. My, my hope is that the Lord comes, and yes, Lord, I want to be ready. It's like the young lady I was talking to a few weeks ago, and she said, are you afraid to die? I'm like, no, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm not planning on today being the day. You know, yes, I want to go to heaven, but, but Lord, could you please? I think that's why the disciples were even talking about, Lord, tell us when your kingdom will come into existence. No, man, it's not for you to know that. You know why? Because if we knew when Jesus would come, we'd be planning for it. We'd be planning like we knew how to plan for Jesus to come. But we're not fitting into God's timing like we think we are. But I promise you that when you just trust him and not get wrapped up in the things of this world, and what I'm asking you to do is very difficult because we are more wrapped up than we want to admit. We are more consumed by our culture than we, when we want to believe we are. And if you don't think you are, just Understand that even with this technology that we're trying to use to reach people, why do you think it's working to reach people? Because everybody lives there. And if we don't reach people there, you don't reach a lot of people. Now, I'm not lording over technology. What I am saying is you'll be surprised at the things that you make so important in your life that that's what you pursue. If it's money, if it's fame, if it's just security, your personal securities, what was happening in that culture also in Isaiah is that people were so wrapped up in making sure they took care of themselves, listen, that it, it was even important to them who the leaders were because if they knew they had the right leaders in place, they could get what they wanted. See, if, if we can get the right leaders in place, I can get what I want, Republicans. If I get the right leaders in place, I can get what I want, Democrats. If I get the right leaders in place, I can get what I want, independence. Now listen, I promise you, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about reality. What you're wrapped up in drives your life. So Isaiah is standing in front of a culture that's so wrapped up in saying, you've got you to gotta let that stuff go. You've got to pursue God. You've got to live for God. Love one another. Yeah, we are, we are, words only going through the motions. Now, here's what's beautiful about this passage. Not only do we have a hope in his time, and I, again, God's timing is not our timing, but we also have a hope in his way. He was going to bring a son, and his name was Emmanuel. He was going to bring a king who would have an everlasting kingdom, who his government would never fail. And so we know that even the Jews of the time when Christ was born, they were expecting a king. They were expecting a kingdom. Isn't it funny how when we think of God, we get our expectations in place? Because listen, if that gift that came wrapped in swaddling clothes was what they expected, they would have received it. I wonder how many gifts of God I've missed. I wonder how many blessings I've walked away from. I wonder how many things. That's why, and I told the praise team this earlier, 
when I hear people say, and I understand, so don't, don't feel bad if you've said this, but when I hear people say, I can't wait for 2020 to be over, I personally thank God for 2020. Not because a disease came upon our land. Not because I know people have passed away. Some of you, praise God, Liz and Corey are here this morning. They've, they've battled through what we're talking about. I'm pretty, it's a miracle they're sitting by each other because they've been stuck at home with each other for weeks. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and we've got several here who have had COVID. You know people who have had COVID. You know people who have lost family members. So those, those are not things we're glad for. But here's what 2020 has done. It stood us still long enough to see what's good and what's not. To see what we should be following and what we should not be following. To know that we've been listening to God or we've been creating our own ways and our own desires and our own self-indulgences. Because we can convince ourselves that what we do is right. And, and I'm not, this isn't about legalism. We know that we're saved by grace. But are you walking in that grace? <laughs> this is good stuff. Listen to, how, listen to how the Lord Jesus comes the first time. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be with all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Now, first of all, I can tell you right now that if we were planning the arrival of Jesus, nobody would have set that up on the stage. Nobody would have said, you know, God asked me to prepare for the coming of his son. So let's do a stable. Let's get some cows and some hay. Because after all, he's the king of kings. No, we can't get our minds around that. But God sent his son in such an inconspicuous way. Now, in hindsight, we can see it's plain as day. It's plain. But the people of that time could not see it. And again, that's my challenge to you. Can you see what God is doing in your life right now? It's a manger. It's just too messy. God, God would never use that. Oh, really? It's, it's a pandemic. He's shutting everything down. God could never use that. Really? Guess what people aren't going to be doing? Now, this, I, I, this is going to come out the wrong way. Dr. Bucci will have to help me clean this up later. But the reality is, it's easy to feel like Isaiah with some of these statements. You know, I think it's a good thing for football stadiums to be closed down so people will understand that may, just maybe on Sundays there's a house of worship that they really need to be involved in before they worship a team. Oh, I knew it wouldn't get real strong responses, but I, I just wonder if maybe God's using a lot of this stuff for things to be shut down that really aren't as important as you think they are, because God's trying to use situations in your life to show you, you know, the things that you've been pursuing, they're not going to get you where they think you are. You're not going to end up where you think you're going to end up, because if you can't accumulate all that stuff, what you're going to find is it doesn't really bring you happiness. If you can accumulate that, if you can get there, if you can have all that, it gets to a place where you end up using it for firewood. It's nothing. All the stuff that you build your life on falls to your hands. Why? Because if it's not built on Christ, the solid rock, all other ground, sinking sand. It, 2020 has shown me that even as a pastor, as a follower of Christ, it is easy for me to get my eyes on things because the coming of the Lord has been talked about my entire life, and years before that, by the way. Uh, 
the disciples talked about it on a daily basis. They met every first day of the week to remind each other, he's coming soon. It could be today. So they live like it. Here's our struggle, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm taking the hit on this. If it, if it resonates with you, embrace it. I've heard Jesus is coming so long that I say it, but I don't live like it. I've heard Jesus is coming soon. I know the words to the song, but I don't live like it. I've heard that Jesus could come tonight so long that I don't even lose any sleep over it. And what happens, it becomes who I am, and then somebody has the audacity to say, John, you got to wake up. Hey, buddy, don't tell me to wake up. I've got a degree. Don't tell me to wake up. I'll read the parts of the Bible I like. Right? Um, on the other hand, what if, what if I humble myself to the point that I remember he came from a stable? What if I humble myself to the point where even a shepherd believed the angel? What if I humbled myself that even wise men traveled following a star to find him? What if I humbled myself just enough to know that God still uses very unique ways to get the attention of his people, that he might even use a camera? Are you at work? Are you talking to a friend? Because he wants people to know him. And then thirdly, very quickly, we find that not only must we have hope in his way, but we have hope in his coming. You have hope in his coming. John 14 says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Hebrews 6, 13 and 14 says, that by two immutable things in which is impossible for God to do, lie. God does not lie. And that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor. <laughs> I was talking about this uh, last week with someone. We have an anchor. Our hope becomes an anchor in Christ Jesus. And the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner Jesus Christ has entered for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Here's, here's what he's saying. Listen, there's some things that you can believe. You can believe the things in your life, or you can believe the things that God has said. And God does not lie. Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ died on the cross, and Jesus Christ is coming again. And I love that when it says, this kind of hope becomes an anchor that we have in Christ Jesus. What does that mean, we have an anchor? Um, it's, it's got a couple different applications that can be used, I know, but here's, here's mine this morning that I hope makes sense. My son and I went fishing yesterday. Didn't catch anything. But a bad day fishing is, is still a great day. And while we were fishing, um, we decided to get out in some deeper water where there's some current and um, decided to put down the anchor. And so we let it down. It was about 40 foot deep. So he was holding that rope, but, but we were still drifting like crazy. Why? Because depending on what you're holding, if it can't hold you, it doesn't matter. And see, until you can position yourself and, and that anchor grab hold of sand or dirt the right way or rock the right way, you can hold that anchor all day long, just like we were holding poles all day long. And you'll just keep drifting. And you know the bad thing about drifting? You can drift a long way without even knowing it. You can be gone a long way. But guess what happened when we finally got in our self-position and we got that anchor dug deep? Guess what happened? We just tied it off and didn't worry about a thing. Why? Because there's a difference between you holding an anchor and the anchor holding you. See, sometimes we even look at it this way. I've just got to hold on to Jesus. Well, good luck. Because I mess that up all the time. Now, we know what we're trying to say, 
But here's the reality of what's happening. He's holding you. It's not how good you are at holding on to Jesus. Your faith and your hope is how good he is at holding on to you. And see, my, my hope that I'm talking about this morning, the reason I'm even starting this Advent series like this is because as we get closer to Christmas, it really isn't about, sorry kids, it's not about a toy you're going to receive. And by the way, kids does not have any age limit there, men. <laughs> it's not about what kind of toys we want. There comes a point in our age, I just celebrated a birthday recently, and And my wife spends weeks, and my daughter and my son, what does he want? What does he want? What does he want? And what do you want? Nothing. Because what do you need? I mean, I've got clothes. I've got, you know, we've got stuff. You know, add one more thing to that stuff list, John. Come on, what do you need? Here's Here's what I think it is for all of us. We're so blessed that sometimes it's just really important to back up and realize you know what? Here's for me what it's boiled down to. None of this stuff really makes me happy anyway. And if I have more stuff, it, it, I'm going to be excited for like eight minutes until Diane says, all right, where are you going to put that? Now I've got to put it somewhere. Just more stuff, right? So here's, here's what I'm asking you. Um, what are you hoping for? More stuff or an anchor that holds. When you know that our hope is in him coming again, instead of us just looking to, and I want us to have powerful celebrations, it's going to be very different this year. Please understand, we've not had, we don't have any Christmas parties planned. There's, we're having a Christmas Eve service, but we're not having a big party. We're not having a big... Um, a big get-together. There'll be some private, really close gatherings, and, and you'll all have some Christmas gatherings, and you'll all be involved in different things. But here's the reality. Um, it's going to be a very different Christmas. So I can either keep hoping for the same stuff or even use 2020 to help me really reflect on what I'm hoping for and then how I'm living it. Next week, We're going to talk more about how to live in these in-between times. How do we live while we're waiting for Jesus? How do we live while we're waiting for him? But my question, here's how I want us to pray. Then I want Pastor Nick to come. What are you really waiting on? What is your hope in right now? Pastor, I'm I'm really going through a dark place in my life. I'm really going through a dark season. I, I need prayer. I'm really wrestling with this. Or, and this is a good thing, I'm, I'm a little insulted that you would even insinuate I have a problem. I, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm wrestling with the fact that what I do during the week is even your business. I'm not trying to get in your business. He's trying to get in your heart. And it just feels that way occasionally, I know. But I've, I've sort of had to get to the place in my life where, and I, I'm not saying this braggingly, guys. I mean, I've wrestled with this. But do I preach to make people happy? And I've discovered a long time ago I'm not very motivational. So here's, here's what the Lord has been just telling me. Listen, man, um, if they're not smiling, don't worry about it. If they're leaving on Sundays thinking, Lord, what have I got to do this week? He says two things. Number one, they're talking to me. And they're talking about change. See, I think all of us need to be talking to him about what we really are hoping for. And then let him lead and guide us. Because it's easy for us to punch out a list, but I believe the Holy Spirit's already knocking on our hearts. Let's stand. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, you are dealing with each of us. So, Father, we, we first proclaim that it is your timeline. No man knows the day nor the hour. We know you've come a first time, but now we are hoping in the second, your return. But until then, Lord, 
Our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope is not in our finances. Our, Lord, you may call us to something that cost us everything. But, but when we realize that we're not really losing anything, we follow you. Lord, you may call us to a life that we, we thought everything was okay, but through your word and the leading of your Holy Spirit, we realize that things really do have to change. Lord, we, we follow you. Our hope is in you. Our hope is not in our finances. Our hope is not in our securities that could at any moment be taken away. But our hope is in you, our anchor who will never be moved. And Father, I pray today that we, we just once again start this Christmas season, Lord, this waiting time by focusing on you, not just as a cliche for Christmas, but as a turning point again for our lives. Lord, let 2020 not be a, a year that we're trying to forget, but Lord, I pray that 2020 be a year that we remember, not all the pain and suffering, but a year that got us redirected, a year that we became reestablished, a year that foundations were, were restructured and rebuilt and, and new vision was taking place because God, now, now we see a bit more clearly. And so, Lord, I just pray that you touch us, strengthen us, and as we leave today, Father, we leave with hope, and we live in hope for your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you please... This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.